Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Scoopy Radio. In your area code, on the plane, on the train, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram, Scoop underscore B, Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. Make sure that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply by visiting ScoopBradio.com. It's been a long season, and right now on the line is a guy who uh, I remember his days playing with the Nets whenever he hit that long three. They would say, that's a three-ball by Anthony Morrow. What's going on, Ant? What's going on, man? What's good with you? Work, working my tail off, man. What's what's going on? What's new? What's old? This is Scooby Radio. Chilling, man. I'm at home right now. Uh, just trying to play in the big three not too long ago. So, been really going uh, overtime with the working out. Stuff like that, man. So, that's been kind of fun getting back into that mindset. Did you say the big three? Yeah, I'm planning that. That kind of went under the radar for me. What? What? Um, why now at 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 33, the big three? Uh, I mean, it's really it's not like I wouldn't play overseas or play in the league. Um, I just hadn't signed. It wasn't you know, teams wasn't looking to sign in the league. Um, overseas, I had a couple offers, turned a couple down. You know. I, at 33 now, I got I got four kids. I mean, I'm, you know, I got I got a soon-to-be wife, and so my thing is just I'm not going to be going somewhere where I'm uprooting my kids for if the money ain't you know exactly or the situation ain't where I wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? So this is a good way to stay in shape. It's fun, you know. I mean, it's it's good money for you know two months of hooping. You get to play against guys that you play with in the league. And, a lot of guys are peers, but we're still competing. So it's just it's just a good opportunity. So I mean, I'm not I'm not ruling out that I'm retired man, by playing in this, but it's just fun, a good opportunity to stay in shape and get some good running. Yeah, yeah because you, you know when you when you talk about that, like I feel like your situation when I when I look at you, um, maybe you signing or playing in the big three, um. It's kind of like Josh Childress more than it is Kenyon Martin. Um, Josh ended up going back, playing with a team for a little while, and then floated in and floated out, playing with the big three. Would would you say that that's a similar comparison? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the that's the fun part about it because it's it's expanded even more now. So it's even younger guys and some guys that you know didn't necessarily play in the league. I saw a couple rosters, but they really good players. So it's kind of like it's, it's more of a it's kind of more of a, um, like a spectrum in terms of older guys and younger guys. And you know, I watched it I, when it came to show the first year they had it. I took my son, mm-hmm. and it's a great atmosphere, man. And it's you know the game's quick. You know, out on your body. You only play once a week. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's, it's one of those things where, for me personally, I'm training like I train before training camp right now. 
and I'm gonna keep that going up until June 22nd is when it starts. So, you know, it is a good opportunity. Have fun, make some money, um, and just go out there and compete, man. It's half court. You know, they got the four pointers, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to win the four pointers. I'm trying to get that record this year. You know, but they asked me last year to play, and they asked me this year. And this year, I was like, man, I'm gonna go do it. Scoopy Radio on the line with Anthony Morrow. I had um, I had Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams on the Scoopy Radio podcast last week, and I asked him who he was most looking forward to playing against, and he said Gilbert Arenas uh, because he oh, talks yeah. a lot of trash. For you, I'm sure that there are rivalries or things that people just bring from NBA or even college or high school to every facet of life. You run into people a different facet of life. Who are you most looking forward to playing against in the victory? Uh, follow my big bro, Stephen Jackson, man. For sure. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, like, we competed, like, when I was in Golden State, and I learned a ton of knowledge from him on and off the court, but on the court, man, he brought it every single night, man. And I was, that was always something that was, it was honorable, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, making all that money he was making every time, and still coming to practice, take stuff personal in practice, and, you know, competing in practice against whoever was in front of him. And I used to love this thing. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like if I'm, if I'm competing with one of the best players on the team or the best that's the best player on the team at the time, and he's playing, he's a wing like this. I need to get that because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have to guard the best player on the team off the bench. I always want to compete against him, but he talks a lot of trash. I want to play, I, I, and I, I'm excited to see your pleasure. Um, I know he talks a lot of junk. Gilbert's nice though, but just to get out there and compete, man, and have fun. It's going to be good. Anthony Morrow, live with Scoopy, Scoopy Radio. Radio. Subscribe to Scoopy Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn app, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. Uh, at the end of the 2010-2011 NBA season, uh, you had the second highest three-point percentage in history behind Steve Kerr. Now, you told me that you entertained some offers. That was some years ago, but shoot or shoot. You're 6'5", mm-hmm. Why, and with the NBA being a shooter's league, why are more people not, I would imagine that contenders would be knocking at your door. What is, what is the holdup? What is the, what is the hesitation for you? You talked about not wanting to uproot your family. I, I, I would sign you if I owned an NBA team today. What's the hesitation? Uh, I don't know. I really, I mean, me personally, I think is, I think the league is, is changing. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of weird because me being a shooter, I had PJ Carlissimo came up to me when I was in Oklahoma City at uh, Nick Collison's jersey retirement. He had a reception mm-hmm. before. And he said, you know, because he coached me in New Jersey for a little bit. He was assistant coach to Ava Johnson. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's weird because he was like, I think you was a little bit before your time. You know what I'm saying? When I was mm-hmm. playing, the three-point shot was important. But it was kind of like, it was still a little bit of, of like a delicacy. It wasn't like, now, where it's like you have to have guards that can score, they have to be able to. You have to have a point guard that they have to pick up almost at half court. Hmm. And it's just like one of the things where I don't know. I think it's either you got guards like that, and everybody else is kind of like tweener hybrid guys. Everybody's going for a Damian Lillard type point guard or a Steph type point guard, of course, and then guys like Jason Tatum on the wing. You know. And you just, it's just like a bunch of guys like that. So I don't know. Like, I, I mean, for me, even if it was about coming in and just being a vet and coming in and doing, you know, whatever, coming off the thing, whatever they would need me to do, I would be on that form. But I, I think it's more on the, it's definitely not as much to do with owner court. I believe it's more to do with the money side of it. I would be a 10 year pro. Therefore, I would be making, Significantly more than when they bring these G League guys up and down, hmm. they can pretty much pay them whatever. So they leave that spot open for one of those guys just in case you get a situation like Queen Cook. Steph got hurt, uh, you know, he came in, fought for that position, and he ended up getting a two year deal and sticking around in the league. And they made him look like geniuses because they left that, that roster spot open and they were just trying different guys out. So they brought Quinn up. Steph got hurt, unfortunately, but for Quinn's and, and, and Quinn's situation, he took advantage of the situation, and he ended up sticking around. So they didn't have to pay him a lot until they really had to pay him. You know what yeah. I mean? 
And it's a it, lot. Everybody not like Queen. That's a rare situation for a lot of guys. But it is what it is. It's more money than anything. Sure. No, that 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 totally makes sense. Scoopy Radio Scoopy on the line. Radio. Anthony Morrow and Nipsey Hussle uh, passed away recently. Yeah. And um, I looked at your. Like I I looked at your social media. You guys, you know him. Yeah, yeah, dude. We weren't like super. Th- I met him. I met him one time, and um, I met him through Rush, Russell Westbrook, and he uh, mm-hmm. like Russ knew I really liked his music and I really liked what he stood for and his message. And <laughs> I had been listening to him since like I think I heard him in like twenty. 20- 10 or 11. I think he had like bullets and got no names and shit. But I really didn't listen to him like that. It sounded mm-hmm. really West Coast. And then I just wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it was just different. Like I still was kind of, like it, it didn't sound like game. You know? Mm. So like the, the rapper game. And we was just yeah. that. And I'm, I'm from the South. You know what I'm saying? So I heard him and I, you know, I was like, somebody, I, I, I liked a couple songs, but I didn't really get into it. It was like super underground. And in 2013, I signed with the I remember I was playing for the New Orleans Pelicans, and he had his mixtape, Crenshaw, mm-hmm. and he was talking about, it was he was promoting it like, proud to pay, he paid like $100 for it, and everybody was like, what? Like, he ain't even talking, and Jay-Z ended up buying like 100 of them, and everybody was like, oh, and he was like, that's what it's about, you don't have to pay for it, you get it free, but if you rock with my movement, pay $100, you'll pay $100, $100 is not a lot of money for most people. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people I understand whatever, but like if you if you want really want something, you got a hundred dollars. You probably you gonna get it. So that's right. what he was trying to promote. I thought that was interesting, and I just started listening more closely to his music. And then he came out with uh the marathon mixtape, and um just like I just started listening to everything when it was coming out, and I really got like I really like fell in love with his music and his concepts and how he was thinking about you know how he was changing his community. And his plan, and you know, so then I started watching his interviews, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he 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 gonna blow up," you know. And uh, I met him. He came to he had a concert in Oklahoma City. Met him through Rush, and we had a real conversation. It wasn't even that long, maybe like ten minutes. Right after the show, he came out back, and uh, he was chopping it up with us and stuff like that. I just noticed he worked hard, how grateful he was to be able to do that. You know what I mean? And it was just. And then, like, on Instagram or whatever, like, we'll hit back and forth on something. You know, I saw that, you know, I, I saw what he was doing. I let him know, he'd be like, appreciate that. See what I'm doing in my neighborhood. It's a lot of the same kind of stuff that we was doing, you know, like, in terms of just in our neighborhood and stuff for the youth. And, uh, you know, then through his music, you feel like you know him. You know, I had my, a lot of people been saying, like, I ain't even know him, but I feel like I do. Hmm. You know, that's a different kind of, that's a different kind of impact to have as an artist. Everybody can't do that, you know? And it was sad, man. I, I, I've been listening to him the whole time. I, I broke down a couple of times just because certain stuff, certain songs you hear, certain verses, you remember exactly where you was at mm-hmm. when you heard that and what it meant to you then. And then this happens and you think about that moment too on top of that and it's just like, you know. But man, it's, it's sad and unfortunate. God bless him, man, his family, his wife, and everybody, kids. I'm curious. Um, Mm -hmm. We're all still gathering the facts of what happened. But Mm -hmm. as an NBA player, being able to float in both worlds, you live in the burbs, you may be from a major city, you're outreaching the people in the neighborhood, but you're dealing with people who are jealous of you. Is that difficult for you as a player? How do you find that balance? I mean, it's tough. Like, it's tough. Like, I don't know. For me, like, I just, I always looked at it like, I mean, so who much is giving, much is tested. Everybody can't love you. It's not humanly, like, people hate Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, if I, if you hate Jesus, if you hate Buddha, if you hate whatever you believe in, somebody sure. can hate the highest form of purity, then what makes you different? So you have to know that there's people out there that's like, whatever, I don't care. I ain't doing that. I ain't buying his shirt. I ain't listening to his music. I ain't buying his shoes. It's because. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? And it's, as a as an athlete or as a rapper, celebrity, you know, I tell kids when I speak to them and I talk to my homies about it, I'm just like, look, man, everybody don't love you. 
know what I'm saying? Like, stay away from certain circles. Anything can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this situation hit me so hard because for them to do that to him right there where he was at, talking about a man that bought a whole, stuff, like a whole complex of stores, bought it out in the middle of his neighborhood that he used to sell drugs in front of. Now he promote ownership. He got everything going on over there. They came and ran up on him right there. And it's like, if that happens to him right there, like, they, like, they really don't fix. It ain't, it, that's, that's no honor in that. You know what I'm saying? I understand street stuff, street stuff, but it seemed deeper than that. It seemed like it was something else going on. Right. But just staying out of certain elements, making sure to move right, you know, like, I mean, and I tell the younger dudes, because I, I was like that. I'm 33 now, but at 22, 23, we in the strip club. Like, we, we out. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? And, and mom's like, yo, you need to chill. Come home in the off season. You're out every single night and tripping. You're going to club clubs. Not like you're going to chill somewhere. Like, you out, out. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's it. That's always, it's always a risk and it's dangerous. But, you know, it's always like that. That's every sport. That's every walk of life. Young men do stuff. Young women do stuff when they're younger than you look back like, damn, I was really out there. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you never know. It could happen. God forbid. But it just, for me, I think it's just staying out of certain elements, staying away from certain people, staying away from certain situations that you know could lead to put you out there and make you vulnerable for some stuff that happens to you. That's real. Scooby Lady on the line with Anthony Morrow discussing the big three, discussing Nipsey Hussle. And you got a podcast moving. Tell me about it. Yeah, man. It's the Life Podcast. Me and my partner, Justin Jack, uh, King underscore Justo on our Instagram. But, um, yeah, we got a podcast, man. It's called It's the Life, man. We talk about talk about a lot of different stuff, man. We talk about sports. We talk about, you know, pop culture, uh, music, of course, fashion. Uh, we having, we, we, we've been having more and more guests come on the show. Uh, we talk a little politics. We don't really go too deep in it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we just left Houston, interviewed Iman Shumpert and uh, PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of our. It's gonna be one of our better episodes, man. So we only got we only 15 episodes in. You know, we're trying to get the timing right and stuff. I got a couple, a couple home. Um, I'm cool with Maul from the Joe Brown podcast. Mm-hmm. I ask him like a, just a little. I try to pick his brain about like you know what's you know, what's it like? Because I watched their podcast from how it started from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, my homegirl, Mandy, on Horrible Decisions, they they on tour right now. I pick her brain about, you know, just different stuff. But it's dope, though. I always like media stuff, but I always wanted to do something like my own thing, you know, if I could help it. And one day, me and Justin was sitting around. We was like, man, let's just start something. You live in Atlanta. I'm in Charlotte, so I have to break down the road. So, mm-hmm. You know, we just started doing it with the, with the best line, Boston Camps, <laughs> and some speakers and some microphones and all that. And just said, look, we'll just grind it up, see where it goes. You know what I'm saying? You got enough knowledge and, you know, and everything that we're talking about. He's uh, actually Jerry Jack, the younger brother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. So, we, we got, we, it's good, man. It's fun. You know, I'm just having fun enjoying it. So, I'm curious. You, you, okay, so you being... An athlete. Um, there's always mm-hmm. been this 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 line of demarcation between athletes and journalists. Athletes mm-hmm. don't always trust journalists, and journalists don't always get along with athletes. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a job to do. Do you find that now that you're doing a podcast, you can you kind of see? I guess from the lens of what a journalist has to go through when they're on deadline and they have to ask you guys questions, or are, are you kind of neutral? No, I, I totally understand. I see that a lot more. I see it more, um, I did like some pre and post game, like analyst stuff. Mm-hmm. With my guys at, uh, ADSN out here in Charlotte, streaming mm-hmm. network. Another damn sports network is the, is the name of the show. But, um, I did like some pre and post game stuff with the Hornets. Mm-hmm. And after the game, doing like sitting in the media room and James Borrego comes out there and speaks to the media. And it's like, I was just working out with them this summer. And mm-hmm. now I'm sitting with a microphone on my hand listening to these interviews. So it's weird because the relationship is different when he look at you now like, oh, he's media now. 
you know. But I, I made a couple jokes with a few of my homies. Uh, I saw Courtney Lee when he came here when he played the Hornets, and uh, he came out. He was about to go warm up in his song. He was like, "What you doing?" I was like, "Doing a little media stuff, trying to see how I like it." And he was like, "Yeah, you on the other side?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm on the other side. I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm one of the good guys, though." You know what I'm saying? But it, it's always gonna be that little that little stigma. But I look at guys like shout out to my Georgia Tech OG Dennis Scott. Mm-hmm. and see how he is transitioned. And I really like what he does. And everybody still think he cool, you know. And he has his own opinion. People got to do their job. It's just a certain way to word it. I think me being actually playing in the league, that, that gives you an edge over how to word certain things with certain mm-hmm. players. Because we know how we would want that to be asked to us, you know, versus somebody that didn't play or somebody that's insensitive to – certain players like you got to know how to word something I, this is my knowledge I, I'm, I don't know like I know he knows a lot more but in my experience I know that you got to word something differently to run than you may have to to cow court you know what I'm saying so it's just yeah, it's just that kind of knowledge I find it's that cool. with you with you guys the, the the meaning players money is a sensitive topic Oh, yeah, for sure. But for sure. I can kind of understand it because I think with black folk, money is a, a sensitive topic. So even you know, when they say don't count some my pockets. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what they're going to say, quote, word for word. <laughs> or when you hear something, like, you know, for example, recently when Stephen A. Smith signed with ESPN and they, they named that number how much he made. And, or how yeah, much I, he saw, made. I didn't see how much it was, though. They said it was ten million a year. Scoop That's Speed great. Radio. Ten million a year? Yes. Wow. But he no, earned I didn't it. Know that. He, he earned, earned it. it. He deserved it. He deserved it. But sure. if I'm him, damn it, I don't know how much I'll make out there. I mean, he, he, he look. I don't know. Did he want that out there, or did he get upset? I don't know. I don't know. I know that. That's what. That's what. I know that he didn't disclose that number. I know his representation didn't disclose that number, but I know that that number was given to a publication. If I'm not mistaken, forgive me if I'm wrong, I believe it was the New York Post that said that that was how much he made. Now, when I look at when I look at players, I mean, like, when you look at numbers, okay, say said player signs a max deal worth $300 million a year. Do players get mad that those numbers are disclosed? I don't think so, no. Okay. I don't think so because, I mean, for us, it's like they know you're about to get the bag. Right. So when that number comes out, it's like, you know, it's almost like a, yeah, I got that. Mm-hmm. You know, it ain't really, it ain't, it's like, I mean, because you can't, and you can't hide that. Mm-hmm. You can go online and see how much somebody makes. So mm-hmm. you, you're a public figure now, so it is what it is. Same with entertainers, you know, um, Everybody, rappers, actresses, actors. You know how much Denzel makes per movie? A ballpark range, but I know exactly. But, you know, it's, it's just part of it. Yeah. Scoopy Radio Live talking money, podcast, and you, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your clothing line. We talked about Nipsey and his Crenshaw clothing line. You got something yeah. brewing right now. Yeah, man. Going good, man. Own sense of style. You can go follow it on online on IG, own sense of style, at own sense of style, spelled just like that, no spaces. Um, and go, you can go check the website and go shop, own sense of style.com. Um, shout out to Mary, my curator, and my business partner. Uh, she's great. You know, she helped me out since day one. I had the concept of the name of it, and, um, it's own sense of style, basically like you have your own sense of style as an individual. Um, but also it's like a double entendre, like own it is the hashtag, like own it. And yeah. own it is basically like own everything that you can own. And if you can't, not saying not to rent stuff, so I understand everybody can't do that right away, but that should be the goal is to own. Own your house, own your clothes, own your jewelry, own your cars. You know, all stuff that's going to appreciate, for sure, for sure. You know, and that's where I got it from because I just see a lot of people out here and it's almost like it's cool. And now I think it's beyond cool to just have it. 
it don't matter if it's yours or not. Doing it for the Instagram anyway. So hell, don't even worry about it. This is not my car. This is not my chain. This is not my house. And it's like, okay, cool. You look cool on Instagram, so it's alright. And I don't like that trend. I never liked it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I thank God that I'm able to own everything because a lot of guys feel like leasing cars. Like, if you, if you don't have to do that, then I'm not doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care about driving a Phantom or a Wraith that much. Now, you, so, so each his own. Don't get me wrong. I'm not shaming nobody. I ain't saying nothing like that. I'm just saying that's the concept behind owning the South. And it's dope. And you sold out of a lot of stuff. I had to re, re up on some stuff and about to drop the second collection for the spring and summertime soon. About to start making that stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been a blessing and it's fun. I can be creative. Um, Mary is out. My um, curator Mary is out in LA, and the, fact, the factory is out in LA. Mm-hmm. So that's a great that's a great reason I have to go to LA. Yeah, so, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's cool. It's cool, man. It's fun. It's um, it's a blessing. I like it. I talked to Russ about a lot of stuff. Um, Pokemon, like a lot of those, like the the fashion guys in the, in the league, and they all uh, you know, they like it. You know, and I'm just, especially Russ, like, talking to him is like, I mean, if he can give you information, man, it's like, you know, that's that's almost, that's like Google type shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's, a, he's a, yeah, that's why he's the fastest guy out here. You know what I mean? You're the king of this. And, you know, he'll, he'll throw stuff together, man, and put outfits on that you wouldn't think about. And talking to him, he was like, yeah, man, you know, I love the concept. I like what you got going on. I was like, man, look, I'm just trying to keep it going. You can't turn into something special. Meek Mill said, "Turn the tuna into lobster." Uh, in, in the monster song, when when you when you look at um, fashion, uh, Russell comes to mind, James Harden comes to mind, uh, Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade comes to mind. Where do you draw the line from your from your eye? Just not even having played with them or knowing them. Where do you draw the line between Russell Westbrook's fashion sense and Dwayne Wade's fashion sense? Uh, they kind of I don't know. Like it's it's outlandish, but it, they're different. From, you know what I'm saying? Like like people don't know like stuff Russ wears. People will say that look like a big dicky suit, and I'm like that's like a Japanese inspired outfit. You don't know mm-hmm. anything about Japanese stuff. Like, I, I was like, yo, man, like, I, I'll ask, like, some people might not say, like, yo, that's like Japanese stuff right there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Say the name that I've never heard of. It. And I'm like, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it's just, it's a different mindset. Like, I don't know the ways like that to know. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost like that. It's, it's outlandish, but it's different. For me, like, like I said, some of the stuff, like, I, I done took some risks, you know what I'm saying? And I don't mind, but because I know how it's going to look. But it just depends on, like, I know some stuff, some guys wear that I can't wear because my body type not like that. And some stuff right. I wear, some guys can't wear because their body type is different. But for the most part, we all, like, tall and slim. Yeah, and I be messing with my football homies all the time. I'm like, well, I can't wear what I wear because you do <laughs> You muscle bound, bro. You know what I'm saying? You can't do it. Like we look like the fanatic. We we slim and tall like a man. Yeah. So like, I know you got all the muscles. The girls like the Instagram, but you put it together though. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know, man. It's just a, it's just all about what you what you like, man. Because it's a it's a lot of real dope fat like dudes that can dress, man. The young boys too. A lot of them. Man. I like where it's at. I like where it's at for real. Like because it was a time where you had to wear suits and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even when I first came in the league in 08, if you weren't playing, you had to have a suit on and you had a bitch on behind the bench. And now you can be casual. You can put a suit jacket on. This dude's wearing a suit jacket with no shirt under it with chains. Like, you know, but they still look, they still look presentable and dope. They still look like presentable, you know? And I think that's cool that the league kind of let their guard down there. They need to pay Allen Ivers some of that fun like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the dress code was a thing. Like, I remember when I was in college, and I was an editor for the school newspaper, and 
I talked about the dress code, and a lot of it had to do with the new contracts that the NBA was doing with ABC, ESPN, Disney, and people were. I mean, I think yeah. early in the game, y'all was making women clutch their pearls because you know it got a little out of hand. But then I think players like LeBron and Chris Paul and 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 Melo got and and Amari got smart because they realized that yeah. they were brand. It's almost like that walk. At the beginning of the game, it's like the players, in, or rather the wrestlers in WWE, going going down the entrance ramp when their music come on. Yeah, yeah. The, the league found a way to basically <clears throat> figure out. That, but I like the fact that you know, especially with uh, Adam Silver, like basically it's like he made an individualized star sport. So all that stuff where they show the players walking in, walking into the games with the outfits on, that's like embracing that individual player's brand because it eventually, because essentially it helps the league. You know what I'm saying? Like now you just don't get to see Russ on TV playing basketball on the court. You get to see everything. You get to see his Instagram. You get to see him walk down the thing, see his outfit every time. You get to see his outfit after the game. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's dope. That's that's real. I think a lot of other sports can take something from, from that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. NFL is hard to do that. It's only a couple guys that you really want to know what he's doing all the time, and, and they polarize on the field. Uh, Odell, A.B., you know what I'm saying? It ain't really that showmanship like that because and, 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 it's more about the shield with the NFL, but I like what the NBA has done in terms of the, the fashion. Who do you like in the NBA this season? Scoop B. On the Warriors, man. Why? The Warriors. <laughs> Why? Because, man, they got three Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers. I put Clay in there. Clay will be mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. He will. Shit, maybe four with the, uh, I mean, right now four with the Marcus. I mean, and then you got, you got Steph and then you got, I don't see them losing. Like anybody get hurt, God forbid. If nobody gets hurt, they gonna walk. Like I, I, under, I understand Houston is good. I like. It. Don't get me wrong. Houston had them on the ropes at one point. What was that last year, two years ago, or something like that? Mm-hmm. But a healthy Golden State team, man, with Steph and Kevin Durant, bro. That's like that's not that's. KD can do whatever he he could be the MVP this year. You know what you're talking about. Open them. KD, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, it's, I just don't see them losing. I like Houston a lot. I just don't think at the end of the day. If they would have been able to keep Trevor Ariza with the mm-hmm. roster they have now, I think they would have a way better chance. You know what I'm saying? But they got PJ, and they got another wing, didn't they? They can defend and make big or something. Yeah, I can't think of his name right now, but I they forgot did. who it is. You not? But, I you, mean, it was. You're not talking about um, Capella. No, no, it was a wing. It was another wing. Because because he last year they gave him problems because PJ could guard could guard KD and Trevor could guard Clay, and they yes. can switch that up. Yeah. Then they had uh Bamute, which is another uh on ball and, and great defender off the bench. But you had three dudes to guard them too. And then it just basically came down to where Steph and, and, and C T was gonna be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If Clay was gonna have to guard James, they didn't really had nobody else that was just gonna lock down on James like that, like Draymond, but Clay makes more sense on on uh on James. And they really have, like Sean Livingston's a pretty good, like pretty good defender, but it's not like Clay, you know, not like Clay. But now with that one guy, they got PK. That's a lot on. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna have to guard Clay and KD. So when he take a rest, when they take Clay out, they're gonna put KD in. He got to go right back in. So it's it's gonna be rough. You played for the Thunder uh, with mm-hmm. Russ. KD, but Harden wasn't on that team at that point. Yeah, he wasn't there. He was in Houston. From your perspective as a fan, as a perspective of a player in the NBA, do you think that it'll be that that team, people will look back 10 years, 20 years from now, and ask what if as it relates to 
a team in 2012 that went to the finals, a team that had legitimately three potential or future Hall of Famers in Russ, KD, and Harden. Like, do you think that people sleep on the fact that that Thunder team was a good Do you think had they stayed together, they would have been a problem? Scoop B Radio. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, they already asking it. Like, I mean, you, I mean, that's like, it's almost like the elephant in the room a little bit. Forever mm-hmm. for that organization. And I love that organization. I, I was there for three years. I loved it. But, yeah, man, I mean, but the thing is, they didn't know how good James was going to be. Hmm. They didn't know how good James was going to be. They knew James was good. Nobody knew if James could do that on his own. And, and James wasn't the type to say, I, I want my own team. I want to do this. I want to do that. I need my own team. I want to start. He wasn't on that. He didn't want to leave. So what I understand, you know, and I think they just felt like for the betterment of their team at the time, they wanted that championship pedigree and pools or they wanted perk. They had to pay perk. And then there was only a few million dollars that they couldn't give James. And then James went to Houston and I think it was like a sign trade and they got signed an extension. And he had like 80 points in two games. You know, like 45 in the first game, like 45. I played, actually, I was in Atlanta and we played them. I was playing for the Hawks. We actually played them his second game in the trade. And I was hmm. like, look, I didn't play much that game. I had just, I wasn't playing much at that time. And I was looking at him like, this is crazy. I was like, I cannot believe they let this boy walk. Mm-hmm. You know? Because he looked like a whole different player when he put that Rocky jersey on. He looked like James, but he looked like that kind of a hunter. You know, but it was just he had more usage now. He had the ball. He didn't like Spark. He wanted to come off the bench in OKC, but he was cool. He, he didn't want to leave his friends. Them boys grew up together, basically, in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Him and, him and Russ, I mean, they really you know grew up together in L.A., but, you know, that that was – he didn't want to leave. And it wasn't in the cards, but we getting great basketball, so it's messed up, unfortunately, for OKC. That that couldn't pan out in the fans. Not the organization for the fans. It couldn't pan out, but, you know, James is a mogul now. So it worked out <laughs> for him. And he's, he's killing it. Yes. He's killing Probably it. Probably should give him MVP. Oh, why do, why do you give him the edge over Giannis? Do you think if Giannis was playing in a bigger market, he'd be, he'd be more in the conversation? I don't think that's as big of a deal as people make it the market situation because I think the fans, the media, the players, I think they really root for the smaller markets. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, if he was playing for like the Clippers or the Knicks or something like that, yeah, or Miami or something, yeah, I definitely think it'll be, it would be like, it would be more of a shooting situation just because of the market he's in and the media he would be getting it's just different than it is in Milwaukee. But overall, I think people, I mean, I, it's coming down to them. And I, 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 I say change just because of what he's been doing offensively. Mm-hmm. But Giannis has his team number one in the East. He probably will get it. I mean, I, I just, I just, it's going to be close. I just don't think that it's going to be, it's going to come down to James being in Houston and Giannis being in Milwaukee. He, got, he, he definitely deserves it. He got that clean roll. Yeah, he does. He does. He does. Scoopy Radio on the line with Radio. Anthony Moore. And what were the next days like for you in Jersey? The next days was cold, man. I came <laughs> from Oakland. I came from San Francisco, man. I was like, man, I was literally in Vegas when I heard it. Like, because LeBron had signed. With but then, you know, after the big sign, like, everything started trickling down. All the teams that didn't get them got a lot of money to spend. So I was excited. It was like my first big contract, three-year deal, whatever. And my agent called me and was like, I got you going to Jersey. I'm like, what? But I'm thinking Golden State's going to match the offer. I was like, So I was like, they're going to match you, though, right? He was like, I don't know. He was like, I don't know. I ain't talked to them yet. He said, but you got to go to the press conference. So I go from, I was in L.A., matter of fact. I'm in L.A. You all get on the plane. Me and the homies, we all get on the plane, fly to Jersey, they flew to Jersey, made the press conference. And I remember like getting a jersey and it was like, I'm like, damn. 
like it's dark, like it, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was humid, but it wasn't like summertime. Like I got all that, and I got there and I was like, all right, you know, we do the press conference. Everything was cool, and uh, we go there. Wait, was that? Yeah, we were waiting on Golden State mm-hmm. to uh to to match the offer, mm-hmm. and then they didn't match the offer. Then they flew us out. And I was like, damn, they ain't matching that. The journey's gonna be cold. And it was like, you know, I had Avery Johnson. It was like everybody was new. You know, it was like, uh, Avery was new. He was his first year in coaching. I really was a shot at Avery Johnson, too, man. I love him. Man. He was mm-hmm. one of my favorite coaches. He was no nonsense, but he, he was a grinder, and I really, I, I respect that. I still respect it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, man, he used to make us do shoot around in the Prudential Center, man, like 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm talking about, that's like an hour. I got to wake up at 6. Because I live in, I live like past West New York. Like I live in like uh, a Cliffside, Cliffside Park. Yep. So I used to have like Edgewater, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I used to have to come all the way down, get stuck in that tunnel traffic every day. You know what I'm saying? And I mean that turnpike traffic every day. And it was just crazy. But it was, I, I ended up really, like, I got used to it. And I got used to living up there. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't really Uber and stuff like that. So I had to, like, drive and catch some cabs. But it was cool, though. It was cool. It was cool. The lifestyle was cool once I got used to it. I, really, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> but I ended up getting traded. But it was cool. I mean, you know, Avery, Avery ran. <laughs> I had Darren Williams, like, in his pond. Mm-hmm. When he would get anywhere he wanted, and he was like, when I when he got traded, I was so happy. He was like, no, I don't care what happens, just shoot the ball, man. He was like, you're the only guy that I can like trust to just make shots, like for real. And I was like, catch him, bro. What was it like having Jay Z sit courtside at your games? It was unbelievable, man. It was crazy, like seeing him and Beyonce like that. I was watching the Clippers. I think we were playing the Sun. And I like, I had like nine points in like 25 seconds. <clears throat> and we came back and forced it to overtime. And they put the clip. I didn't notice them during the game. I'm locked in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I remember my people hitting me like, yo, you was on ESPN, man. Shane and Beyonce was looking at you when you walked past. It was clapping. I was like, bro, I didn't even notice that. But like, I used to talk to them like during the game, like shit chat so but It was dope. It was it was it was a different energy when they was in there. Every time. It was a different energy, man, but it was cool, man. It's like that's that's the little stuff that I ain't gonna forget. That's a blessing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like like people I never really thought about like how now I sit down with my friends at dinner or we might be at a bar or something. A lot of like this is when I first like knew I wasn't going going to sign last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were just telling me all these stories, like just reminiscing on like Lane and Jersey and Golden State days and you know New Orleans days, like wherever. And they were just telling me all these. I'm like, damn, I don't even remember half this stuff. <laughs> but it's like you really just sit down and can just like listen to like you know, it's like damn, you made real like you really did that. You know, like just listening to them say stuff and tell stories, stuff I didn't remember because when you in it, you locked in. Like, I, I feel like that game over. I had thirty last night trying to get forty tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I don't you don't really get to bask in it, which is good, but it's just feel different when you you know at the end of it. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's fair. I, I've interviewed rappers in the past who have said that they've gone on tour different places and they've done different things, but they've done it on mm-hmm. a company's dime and they were going from venue to venue that they said they want to do it all over again as just themselves now that they've made the money because they didn't get a chance to actually enjoy those cities. Yeah. Who's your favorite one? Who's your favorite? So, Neese from the Young Guns. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Told me, he told me years ago in an interview, he said... I've enjoyed my career, but I want to go back and do some visit some of those cities or those places again because I was doing yeah. it as a rapper, not as just a regular, you know, private citizen. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Like I went to <laughs> it's not not this, this last season. I went to uh, 
I went up to New York. I got some. I got some family in Hall, mm-hmm. but I went up to New York um, with my cousin to watch uh, Jared play mm-hmm. with the Knicks at the time. And I had some other stuff I needed to do up there, but just going to the games like that now and just chilling like with my son or something like that, it feels different. It's a good feeling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. Sit there at the game and just enjoy it. You don't have to worry about. Because you don't get none of that. Like, I went to OKC for Nick Collison's uh, jersey retirement, and I was, like, in places in the arena. I'm like, I was there three years. I never knew this was And I can just sit back, have a drink, and chill, and talk to the homies. And, you know, it's a different kind of feeling, you know, but it's kind of a catch-22 because you like, I want to be playing. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, it still feel good. Like, I, I totally understand what you're saying about that, though. Because it's still different when you go to Miami now versus when you went when you were playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it. I get it. You you played with with KD and OKC. Why do people get the sense that he's sensitive? Is it because he's so such a basketball nut and he's locked in, or does do you personally think it's because he really cares? Oh, you care because what? He actually cares. Like, to me, he seems oh, yeah. like a perfectionist. Yeah. No, he is. Like, he cares. And he's a basketball guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like certain stuff affects him differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm not mistaken, he's like the youngest of his brothers. Mm-hmm. Or one of the youngest. If I'm not mistaken. You know what I'm saying? And, and rest in peace to his brother, Cliff Dixon, too, man. My man passed away a couple weeks ago. Katie's uh, adopted brother. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like stuff affects him differently. Like I, I can tell you, I know. Like first of all, to work like to do like a group workout, like me and him work out together. Mm-hmm. He's he's my he's the most interesting and the most he's my favorite player to work out with. You know what I'm saying? But it's crazy because he might miss. I do this to myself too. If I miss two shots in a row, I'm pissed off. But, and people will tell me, yo, why you mad? Bro, why you some shit like shit? I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hear that. And I work out with him, and he'll miss two shots and get mad. And I just say, to him. I'm like, bro, you have some 28, bro. Like, you see the 50, you see 59% from the field. Ain't more I want to hear. I don't care. I got to make that. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. crazy to see that he like that. He cares, bro. Like, he like that with a lot of stuff. Like, you don't want to miss no defense of retirement. You know what I'm saying? Like he don't want to, he don't want to mess no plays up. He, like it's a reason why he's so efficient. He trained his mind to do that, and then work out when he work out in the off season. That's what makes him so good. But at the same time, yeah, stuff affects him differently, and that media stuff ain't for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like you never know what's going on with people. Like you never know why he's like that. Everybody's not like. It's like you a superstar. You got to be like this Teflon Don. Superman, emotional, like not charged, emotionally tough person. I'm like everybody's just not built like that. You know what I'm saying? Not saying you're not tough enough like that, but I'm just saying everybody don't deal with the media the same way. LeBron deals with the media differently than Seth does, different than KD does, different than James does, different hmm. than Russ does, different than Giannis does. Like every, everybody, if you look at it, all of them, it's in the media. So he, that's just how he is, you know, and. You know, I mean, stuff just affects him differently, man. Like, he'll get on Twitter. It's it's hard not to be on Twitter and especially in this generation. Around our age, we see every, everything's linked to that now. It's not like when Instagram first came out, we went on there just to see what was going on on Instagram. Now, mm-hmm. the whole world is on Instagram. Everything. You can go to Instagram and get all that stuff you need for the day. You weren't like that before. You know what I'm saying? So you can't. And then you, you are, you are mobile. You're a Hall of Famer, and you're playing for the one of the biggest brands in America. You know what I'm saying? Y'all favorite to win the chip again, and you're the best player on that team. Yes, yeah. you don't see everything. You can't get away from that. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's how you got to deal with. Do you think that fans obsess about the greatest elite, where he fits in, because? I feel like when you group people like that, you don't get a chance to mm-hmm. actually like see how great they are. Like when I go to All Star games, 
I sit back and just watch because it's like, like I found myself just like observing when Kobe played his last All-Star game or, you know, last couple All-Star games watching LeBron because these guys aren't around forever. Do you think people obsessed with rankings and, and whether somebody's elite or not? Yeah, it's too much of that, man. I hate it. I hate it, man, for real. Like, and then it's it's even more tedious with, with social media. Because everybody thinks that they're you. Everybody thinks that they hmm. Everybody thinks that they're analysts. I'm like, look, man, just because you got a phone, you got an analyst, though. You know what I'm saying? And me being a player, like, I'm like, yo, you really think you know what he's talking about. He has no idea what's going on in the locker room. You're not even close to knowing. You're not even certified. You're not even certified. You're not even qualified to speak on it. You know what I'm saying? But, like, it's just everybody got to, I mean, it, it, it gets driven by that. Like, you know, um, who's better, James, LeBron? And then people get in serious, real arguments. Now, if you're getting paid to do that, yeah, I understand, like, <laughs> media yeah. people, that's their job. Like, I understand. But people right. in the comments going crazy. Like, I'm like, yo, come on, bro. Like, this is ridiculous. You, know, you don't know what's going on. Like, them people pay you. They know what they're doing. You don't know what you're doing. But that perpetuates the whole, like, it gets to the point where it's like, yo, why we can't, why, why we can't just enjoy these dudes compete? They're not going to be playing forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, like, how you felt about Kobe. Like, that's how I felt about Zion this year. Hmm. Like, everybody was like, he bust out the shoe. He's going to be too heavy. Or, uh, you know, like, just breaking every little thing down. He can't shoot. He didn't shoot no mid-range jump shot. I'm like, look, bro, I'm going to tell you like this. Every time Duke on TV, I'm in front of the TV watching. I'm just enjoying <laughs> it because you're not going to be there number 20 games. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, just enjoy it, bro. That's the biggest college, that's the biggest basketball college brain with the best player in the nation, and he's destroying people. And all y'all worried about is his mid-range jump shot. I can't get on Twitter and watch the boy play. <laughs> I got to put the phone down. I just want to watch it, man. Like, can we just enjoy this? this is ridiculous. Like, we ain't never seen nothing like You know what I'm saying? Just enjoy it. You played with Dirk Nowitzki in Dallas. This is his last oh season. Yes, um, what? What's he like? Dirk is amazing, man. Like, I know I, I played with a lot of. I played with a lot of. I played with a lot of stars. Like My bad, bro. I no, played with a lot of stars. Played with a lot of stars. Like, uh, Russ, Katie, of course, Anthony Davis. Um, you know, like D Wade, but you know, backhand D Wade, not like junk D Wade, right? But uh, but D Wade is like this too, though. D Wade is like this too. What I'm saying about Dirk, Dirk is like the most famous basketball player I ever played with. Like it's it's like it's it's like rock star stuff. D Wade is kind of like D Wade like that too. But Dirk, I mean, I think with the foreign, you know, him being being you know German and and him being in that market in Dallas, man, it's unbelievable how the people look. And it was—it's not just—it's not just Dallas. Like every single city we went to, it was like, like I don't care if you booed everybody else on the team, or you didn't cheer for anybody else. Everybody there, we're gonna everywhere we went to. You're the most famous basketball player I ever played with, man. Hmm. Yeah. And he was—he's great. He worked hard. Um. High you, personality wise, ridiculous. Like he was great. Everybody, you know, he could do. He just had that personality where he could he could fit in with anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like I watched, I watched, him. I watched him a lot. I always watch the dudes just like that to see how they interact. Scoop Not necessarily fans. Gotta interact with fans, but like, um, I mean, he was great with that too, of course. But just to see how he interacted with Mark Cuban and then how he interacted with. You know, the intern uh, ball boy guy. You know, see how he interacted with people that he never met. See how he interacted with the media. How he interacted with me. With just younger guys on the team. You know what I'm saying? It was always professional. It was always real. He ain't always speaking a whole lot. But when he spoke, everybody listened. Because it was something real. It was yeah. something that we needed to hear, whether it was about the game, whether it was about how it was playing, whether it was about the team, whether it was about the referee, you know what I'm saying? And 
Yeah, man, he was he was great. You you um you basically you put it in a, in a nutshell. Growing up, my mom used to say you treat the chairman in the board the same chairman of the board the same way you treat the janitor. Yeah, Dirk yeah. mastered that. I respect I respect that for real. I respect you, that. You talked about Anthony Davis. Um, you playing for the mm-hmm. Pelicans, you know that system, uh, in and out. You know the fans. Um, I guess my question with Anthony Davis is, do you empathize with the situation with him currently in, in New Orleans as far as the losing, as far as him requesting a trade? Do you understand his perspective? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Now, I'm I'm just not I, – I played in that organization. I know how the, the GM was at the time. It wasn't ran great. You know what I'm saying? The owner ran ran the Saints and the Pelicans. Of course, the Saints are the, the darlings of the city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Benson, man. He was, you know, he was getting older. And I think that, you know, Dale had a lot of free reign and some, you know, I mean, a lot of people said a lot of players had the same the same story about, you know, what I'm saying, including me. It was just, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, my thing is like, just be stand up and don't lie. Right. Well, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know that situation, and I don't know. I know some stuff hit the fan, obviously, when the trade didn't go through, and you know, I don't know who was leaking what out of which organization or whatever it may be, but. I know one thing, you have to sign the deal he signed because that's the life-changing deal. You mm-hmm. got to give him a chance to build around you, to build team, draft correctly, to get some guys to come free. This is the job of the organization. This is him and the executive. This is their job. And you give them three years or whatever, however long it's been since you signed that, and then or four years or whatever it is, and then it's like, all right, I got to play. I'm, in the, I'm coming into my prime. I'm going to give you another year of 28 and 14 and we're going to lose or get knocked down the first round if we do make the playoffs. And we've, we've shown you. We was the third, fourth seed a couple years ago. So we, like, it's going in the right direction. You keep giving people bad contracts, not getting anybody to come here and free agency. And then you line the other guy and letting them walk. And they're going to other places and they flourish. So what are you telling? What kind of message are they seeing in the AD? Then you see he signed with Clips. When he signed with Clips, I already knew what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to talk to nobody. I was like, oh, that's it. Actually, before <laughs> then, he bought like a he bought like a dining down the house or something like that in LA. Right. I was like, I know what that is. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's basically the writing on the wall. Like it, so now, you know, when he when he requests a trade, what you gonna do? He got they gotta get rid of his off season. I mean, you see where them draft picks land with, I guess, Boston. Probably both But at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? He's going to have to, he's going to, he got to do his best for him and his son. And that don't mean staying there and being beholden to that organization either. Like, it's time to go, it's time to go. Put, put their shoe to the fire. Sure. Gave him four years. <laughs> yeah. You know? You, to me, talking to you, it reminds me of um, you, you. You said you played with a lot of stars. You said you know you talked about Wade. You talked about uh, yeah. Dirk. You talked about KD, Russell, and um, you also were um, North Carolina's Mister Basketball. You did your thing at Georgia Tech. Uh, 123 games. You averaged 11.4 points, 3.3 rebounds, and a, and a one assist per game. Talking to you reminds me a lot of talking to Kevin Ollie. Yeah. To me, Kevin Alley has credibility with those younger guys because he played with mm-hmm. AI, he played with KD, and then he went to UConn and did his thing on, on that level. Do you, after mm-hmm. playing, have aspirations of being in a front office position or coaching? Front office, probably, for sure, one day. Um, I took a, I went to a couple, I went to a, a leadership, it was like a leadership conference through the meet through the uh the uni for mm-hmm. guys in the league, former and current. And at the time I was afraid and like I was right off the league then. It was after the season, my last season. And um I went 
and there was like 20, 25 guys, and then you get a bunch of executives come in, coaches, scouts, uh, like trainers, um, GMs, analytics guys, and they just come in and just basically break down whatever department it is of the organization and what their job is. You do like little simulations, you do like a little mock draft with the summer league guys. You know what I'm saying? It was real cool. It was a long day. Instead of shortening it, I might go back this summer, but it was very informative. I got like 10, 15 pages of notes upstairs that I took when I got back. And it was a lot of, you know, a lot of networking. And it was it was cool. I would, I would like to do that. I mean, I, I think I would have an opportunity at some point. But, I mean, I'm not done playing now. And, you know, I like what I'm doing with my brand now. I think I'm probably about to start training kids because a lot of people ask me to do that. And uh, I'm talking to my man, Chris Matthews, my boy, Lisa Scooter on Instagram. He lives out here in Charlotte. He's doing a lot of good stuff, man. We're supposed to really chop it up about doing something together, but I really like what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that right now I would like to do it for kids just because the community, I, I mean, I got a lot of kids that I got on get that want to work out. Their parents want me to work them out. I just ain't had time for it. But I think that's something I would do, though. But definitely something in the, in the front office somewhere. Maybe maybe even like a player development situation, depending on what it is. But me personally, I want to I wanna be able to control. You know, you don't really get to control your own brand when a team hires you like that. Like, I would have to not do a lot of stuff that I got planned on doing. But... If the situation right, for sure. You know what I'm saying? I, I would love that just to still be around the game and still be able to, um, you know, impact young players and stuff like that because that's what I would target. I would target the young boys, especially in this climate where people coming out one and done really can't play that. You know what I'm saying? They really can't play. They don't understand how to play. So, like, I, I missed that process. So my, my assistant head coach, like Charlton Young, really teaching me how to play basketball and how what was going to really translate to the next level for me versus me just out there every time I did, you know. And, you know, that really, that, that's something I want to do for other kids. Well, you got it. Star power, the skills, the shooting. Brother, thank you so much for uh, for joining Scoopy Radio. And uh, please kick ass in Big Three this summer. For sure, B. Thanks for having me, for real. And people can find out more information about your podcast and clothing line by going where? You can go to It's The Life Podcast on Instagram. Um, at It's The Life Podcast on Instagram. All the information is on there. Put the link in the bio. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. It's The Life Podcast. Uh, as far as my clothing line, you can go ownsenseofstyle.com online. At ownsenseofstyle on Instagram. Just spell like that. No spaces or anything like that. Also, Amo Chiris, doing a lot of stuff in the community. My, uh, my foundation, shout out to my manager, Zena Vaughn. He's been going at Amo Chiris on Instagram. And, uh, Anthony Mall Chiris, uh, Inc. Online. That Inc. I gotta check that. I'm sorry. Go on Amo Chiris on Instagram. At Amo Chiris. A-M-O Chiris. No spaces. Click the link. That's the website. Um, doing a lot in the community. April 13th in Charlotte, North Carolina, we got a good father's panel that we're doing. Myself, uh, Roman Harper, Jonathan Stewart, Alexis Chinka, um, a couple of a couple of great guys in the community that bring here close to the organizations here, deep in the community here, talking about being, you know, what it takes to be a good father and, you know, the ups and downs and, you know, kids, family and communities and help raising other people. Like, there's going to be a lot of just great discussions. That's Saturday at 3 o'clock at Northwest School of the Arts on uh, April 13th next Saturday. So we got that, man. We got much more coming, man. So appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, good brother. Thank you for sharing those gems of knowledge. And uh, make sure y'all young kids follow this guy. He's, he's, he's gone places, I hear. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right, good brother. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, Scoop B Radio. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 